But I do appreciate you being here in the Sunday morning service. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask Brother Travis, sir, would you please open us? Good morning. To ask everybody to give them the hymnal, then we'll turn to page number 252 this morning. Let's all stand as we sing this first song. Page 252.
that he loves me, an unlovable person. I, I'd say I'm be, uh, when I look at myself, I see that I'm pretty unlovable. But uh, God loves me anyways. God commended his love toward me, and while yet I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And I'm thankful for that. I do appreciate you being here in the house of the Lord this morning. I appreciate to see some visitors with us this morning. And uh, uh, Brother McCamick, good to have him with us this morning. And then uh, also have some second-time visitors with us, so we appreciate you all being with us as well. And, uh, and home folk, good to have everyone here. Thank you for being in the God's house and looking forward to what the Lord has for us this morning. And uh, I was preparing uh, for what the Lord has for us, and the Lord brought my attention to Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10 this morning. We're going to be in a very familiar portion of Scripture, and I'm going to try to tie it in with some things in Luke chapter number 10 verse 38 through 42 again familiar portion of scripture in Luke 10 chapter 10 verse 38 the Bible says now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word but Martha was cumbered, uh, cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for this opportunity we have to worship and praise you, Lord, to just open up your word and hear from, uh, from you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit power. Give me unction and liberty to preach this morning. Lord, I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, for those that may be grown cold and uh, may be lukewarm, Lord, I pray that you would just set a fire about them. Lord, that they would, uh, they would uh, uh, get excited about the things of God once again. Lord, work as only you can, that you would get the praise and the glory and the honor from it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The text uh, is speaking of what is most important. What is most important? Uh, uh, Mary, or Martha went to Mary, or to Jesus, and, uh, and said to him, she says, Lord, I'm here doing the work. I'm here busy about your business. I'm, I'm here doing things, and my sister is sitting here, and she's doing nothing. Sounds like my girls. They, they do that to me all the time. They say, Dad, uh, Faith's not doing anything, and I'm doing all the chores. That's what it kind of sounds like here to me, but uh, that's, uh, that's not what's happened. That's not exactly what's happened here. And God tells her what the most important thing is, is that Mary's there, and she wor she's worshiping the Lord. She's praising the Lord. Uh, and uh, the Bible teaches us that in the last days, in which I believe we're living in right now, the Bible says that it says in Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to just give you a few things here. Matthew 24, 10, it says, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. That sounds pretty familiar with what's going on in today, if you watch the news any. Many shall be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Man, that sounds exactly like what's going on in Charlottesville. Let me say it again. And then shall many be offended. What are they doing? 
tearing down the things that stands for our history and things like that. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. I tell you, we see a lot of hate going on right now. What's going on in our country is pure hatred for each other. The problem is that we are getting sidetracked from what's really important, what's really, what really matters. I believe there is wrong on both sides. Can I say that? There's a lot of hatred going on. And we have been distracted in this country. We are troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. One thing is needful. We need to get back to loving God and serving God. In the Bible, the Bible says in Matthew 24, 13, just a few verses later, it says, The love of many shall wax cold. The love of many shall wax cold. I want to preach a titled, uh, a message I've titled, One Thing is Needful. One Thing is Needful. And uh, in Revelation chapter number 3, we find uh, in this passage a danger that could happen to any country, to any church, and to any Christian. And becoming lukewarm. And that's what the Bible, I'm going to go ahead and turn there just for the sake of uh, turning there. But in Revelation chapter number 3, um, let's go ahead and turn there. I, I wasn't going to intend on reading it, but I just want you to be familiar with what it says. And, uh, and then we'll get into the heart of the message this morning. The Bible says in verse 14, it says, And the angel of the church, uh, and unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increasest with goods, and have need of nothing, and knoweth not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. God's talking here about the church of Laodicea, and he says that, he's saying, I would rather you be cold or hot, but because you're neither one, you're lukewarm. And he says that's, that's so disgusting to him, he says he'll spew them out of his mouth, and that's disgusting for us Christians to be lukewarm. And that's what he's talking about here. Becoming lukewarm will rapidly lead to waxing cold. Now I'm trying to lead a, put a foundation here in what's going on in our country. The reason why we're in the position we are today is because we were lukewarm as Christians back in the uh, 70s. We started becoming lukewarm. And uh, can I tell you, today we've gone cold. We've gone cold on the things of God. And that's why our country is in a miserable wreck that it's in today. Is because we've cold, we are cold towards God. And when we're told, cold towards God, guess what's happening? We're going to be cold towards each other. It's going to ha- that's what's happening in our country today. You need to realize this, that in the, ch- the church that's talking about here, the church of Laodicea, it was just uh, less than a uh, generation. It was around a generation away from Pentecost. So there was a great revival at Pentecost, of course. People were getting saved and, and things and uh, the great things that happened. But now they've become lukewarm. 
Can I tell you, 16 years ago, on September the 11th, it'd be 16, 17 years, or 16 years, our country fell to their knees in unity. And we, you know why? We were all together and, and praying. I mean, we had church meetings around the world and things were going on. And there wasn't this Black Lives Matter. There wasn't Blue Lives Matter. Why? Because all lives mattered. Look how far we've come, we've come from uh, being a, a nation that was united to now a nation that is so divided. And can I tell you, it can happen to a church, and it can happen to a family, it can happen to an individual. That's what I want us to realize today, that uh, we need to get back to what really matters. One thing is needful, we need to get right with God, we need to get back on on serving Him and being faithful to Him. I can tell you this, if we would just line our lives up with Him and with the Word of God, everything else will fall in order. Let me tell you, if, you, if we would get our husbands, if you will fall in line with what God says, I'm telling you, it will fall in line. Things will work out. Things will work out. We need to get our hearts right. There are seven churches that are mentioned in the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation. And in six of these, these churches that were mentioned, there was God had some kind words, had some compliments to give to each one of these churches. But there was one church that was mentioned, the church of Laodicea, where God didn't say anything good about. He says, I know thy works. He says, you've become lukewarm. And I, I think it's sad to say that I don't want it to be in our church that God would want to spew us out of his mouth. The message is for the church and can be applied to, uh, to our country, but I, I want to kind of apply it to individuals, the Christian. Paul said, let a man examine himself. Today I'm asking that we all examine, our, we examine ourselves, and not, not, not my brother, not my cousin, but me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. Don't look about what, who cares about what else, uh, somebody else is doing. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you just going through the motions of Christianity? Many today are lukewarm, which will lead to becoming cold and indifferent towards the things of God. One of the easiest places, can I say the one of the easiest places this to happen, is in a good, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. We sit there and, and it, we're like the Dead Sea Christians, the Dead Sea. I mean, we take all the preaching, we take in all the things that we're supposed to do, but there's no outlet. The Bible has something to do with this, and J James says this, be, uh, uh, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a, unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass." For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner man he was. The Laodicean church was known for as the people's rights. Think about that. What's going on in our country right now? People's rights. I, I mean, this is all... Folks, I don't know if it, if it amazes you or not, but God has it all lined up in his word. I mean, it shouldn't catch us by surprise. If you read God's Word, it shows you exactly what's going to happen. Today, men shall be lovers of their own selves more than lovers of God. Are we not living in that day right now? 
Can I tell you, with that in thought, and this is not a part of the message, God's return is soon. We need to get our hearts right. I want God to come and find a faithful church. I want God to come and find a faithful servant. Be ye doers. The Laodicean church was known as the people's rights church. They would prefer to follow the crowd than obey God. That is where we find our country. In many churches today, they are seeker sensitive. They want to have churches that appeal to our flesh and say, hey, you know what? It's got a good beat. You know, it makes me feel good when I leave there. I feel so good. And down there at that Baptist church, I don't feel good when I leave. You know, I'm telling you right now, that's what the Bible's teaching us. Teaching us that we're wanting a seeker-friendly church and instead of a Savior-friendly church. Laodicean church would not heed the warnings found in the passage. What was the warning? Repent. What we need to do is get right. We need to repent so that church ceased to exist. And so so the same thing can happen to us today. Have you noticed that you're growing cold towards the things of God? Don't you think of several reasons why and why we may be, the reason why we get cold towards the things of God because there's a lack of total surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Total surrender. I mean, what I'm talking about, I believe this is the number one reason why we go cold towards the things of God. It's because we want what we want and we want to be number one. It's a self, we want to be, it's, it's all about self. Me, mine, and mine. You see, I'm talking about every aspect of our lives. We need to trust in Him. It's all His. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything we have belongs to God. Am I willing to give it all to Him? I'm talking family, finances. I'm talking about everything. Give it all to God. Can I tell you, God owns it all anyways. He's just allowed us to be stewards, house managers of what He's entrusted to us. But I believe that's what it is. And you know what we think? It's This is my house. I worked hard for this house. Do you like that? God can take it away. Everything we have belongs to Him and has been given to us from Him. Then there's a lack of Bible priority. Biblical priority. This is really intertwines with the first one, but priority means first place. What is... One of the first things that you think of when you go up. It's probably the thoughts of the day. But you know the Bible says in Colossians 1.18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That is, in all things, that he might have the preeminence. That means in our workplace. That means in our families. That means every our homes. That he has the preeminence. He's number one, folks. We need to get priorities where priorities need to be. And God needs to be number one in our lives. The, la- the third thing here is a lack of conviction. There's a lack of conviction. Sin comes into our lives and we grow accustomed to it. You say, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Next time you turn on the TV, see how many times the cuss word comes on and you're not even noticing it. Why? Because we've become accustomed to it. Turn on TV and see what type of things they are teaching you, they are putting into your minds that are ungodly and unbiblical. And see if we just say, ah, it's just another, it's just the way the world is. 
Why? Because there's a lack of conviction there. We need to be a people about conviction. Why have we gone cold or lukewarm against God? Because there's no conviction in our lives. I know this isn't popular preaching, but it's what we need to hear. Sin is sly. No one started, can I tell you, no one started out as a drunk. No one started out as a druggie. No one started out as a woman of the night. No one started out to do none of this wickedness and wilderness. What happened? Sin is sly and we allow it to come into our lives. Just one, just one little drink and then before you know it, you're a drunkard. I believe sin ought to sadness, folks. It was sin that placed our loving Savior on the cross. I read an article in the paper not too long ago about, uh, uh, about this, this very thought of, of sin, all the sadness. And it's talking about the new Jesus. Talking about the new Jesus. One of the points this author made was the new Jesus that many churches are preaching is a sin-friendly Jesus. That is nothing, that is not the Jesus of the Bible. My Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, was made sin for us that I might be the righteousness in Him. My Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, hated sin so much that He risked being stoned and He cleansed out the temple. He hated sin, folks. Sin ought to not, uh, sadness, but also sin ought to shame us. You know what? We, you know, we commit sins and we do it in front of people and it's, it, we're not ashamed of it. Sin in our lives ought to shame us to the point of getting right with God. Believers, if you are here and you know that there's something between you and the Savior, today's the day you need to get right with God. You know, I, I tell you this, this is how much I believe in it. If God's dealing with you, the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you right now about sin in your life, I would not wait a moment to come to this altar. I don't care if it's during the middle of this message, you come to the altar and get right with God. Why? Because that's more important than what people think of you. Sin ought to shame us. With these truths in mind, I'm going to give you three thoughts. Three thoughts and we'll have the message about this, one thing is needful. We know that there's one thing need, that is needful when, when there's no concern. No concern. In Matthew 24, 12, it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Revelation 2, 4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat awed against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. What was Martha doing? She was busy and cumbersome about with, with doing the work. But listen to me, she had left her first love. There was one thing that was needful, and that was because she didn't have a concern uh, to be with Jesus. There was no concern with the, for the Lord's presence. Can I tell you, hey, if there's sin in your lives, you know what? You don't want God near you. Because when there's sin in our lives, there's conviction. If the Lord's near you, hey, there's conviction in your heart. You know you're not right. You know you need to get right with the Lord. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Job 35.10, but none saith, where is God my maker who giveth songs in the night? When was the last time that you sat down and you prayed? And after you got done praying, you waited. Waited for God to speak to your heart. 
See, I, tell, I believe that he will speak to us. And I tell you, when he speaks to us, it's never contrary to the word of God. I've experienced those quiet times and, and he showed me his answer through his word. We don't need some new revelation. We need a new reverence for his word and for him. God, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Folks, do we realize that? When there's a lack of concern for his presence, we need his presence in our lives. But also there's no concern for the Lord's place. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as man or some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What will our excuses be when, we, when the Lord comes? When the Lord comes and we stand face to face with Him in the day of judgment, why we wasn't faithful to God's house? Well, I just really didn't have a concern. I didn't think it was that important that I was in God's house. How do you think that's going to go over? The Bible tells us. David said this, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad. Do you rejoice? Are you excited? Can I tell you this? Is this just a side note for you parents? But if you're not excited about going to the house of God, how do you expect your kids to be? Why in the world would you expect your children to get excited about going to God's house when you're not excited? You know, God's house is not just a place where the preacher gets up and rambles, although he does sometimes. God's house is a place where we worship the King of Kings as a, as a unit we fellowship with God. We worship Him. We praise Him. It doesn't matter if it's the worst message you've ever heard in your life. You're not there for, the, for Him. You're here, there for Him. I tell my girls all the time, they get nervous when they, they sing and they play. Anybody else get nervous when they're in front of people? My, my girls do, and I do too sometimes. But can I tell you this? This is what I tell them all, every time. You're playing for an audience of one. These people are just benefits. They, they just get a benefit from it. But you're playing for Him. And if you do your very best and you pl- you're trying to please Him with a heart, it's all that matters. Who cares if you can't hold a tune in a bucket? You're playing for an audience of one. As long as you're doing it, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I'm glad He didn't say make a joyful melody because I couldn't do that. A noise. That fits me well. But there's no concern for the Lord's place. I love our church, folks. I love it. Even with its shortcomings. You say, our church has its shortcomings? Yeah, it's got me as a pastor and you as a congregation. We're sinners. (laughs) We all have shortcomings. It's a place, can I tell you? It's a place that 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 God has loved and worshipped. The King James Bible is being preached. It's believed and rightly divided. People love each other. Missionaries are being supported. Souls are being saved. Lives are being changed. Folks, I love our church. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus and our noses in the book and our hearts tender toward each other. Let's work together to make our church a little bit of heaven here on earth. But then I see there's a no concern for the Lord's precepts. 
Hebrews 4.12 says, for the, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Not much needs to be said here, but when the Bible becomes second, third, and fourth place in our lives, we have lost our love. We have, we have forgotten what's really most important, what is needful in our lives. After all, the Bible is the, the Lord's seen and written word. You realize that? The Bible says that He is the word. You want to know Jesus better? Know the word of God better. Then there's no concern for the Lord's plan. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When was the last time, folks, when was the last time that you told someone about the Lord? Do you know that that's His plan? If, if God's plan was just for you to sit here like a bump on the log... He would have took us home as soon as we got saved. But God wants us to fulfill His plan, His marching orders. And what is that? Go ye therefore and tell all nations. We're to go out and share the gospel. You know, some people, they won't even give a tract to someone. Folks, you know, that's the easiest thing to do is just say, Hey, just want to give you a tract and let you know. I invite you to come to church sometime. If you're not confident about how to share the gospel with someone, at least give them a tract and tell them, hey, my preacher can tell you about Jesus. I'd love to. I'd love to. Folks, we need to, we need to be concerned about the Lord's plan. What is His plan? Not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish. We need to get about that. Number two. One thing is needful when there is no comfort. There in Romans 7, 18, it says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but to how to perform it, that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that what I would not, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in the, my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in, my, uh, which is in members. Even though you can never lose your salvation, folks, after being saved, you can put yourself into bondage. We lose peace and comfort when we're in bondage. What We're in bondage to Satan. We allow Satan to steer our joy. You know what happens? Satan comes in and he, 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 not he doesn't, I'm not talking about being possessed by the devil. What I'm talking about is we listen to the things that he tells us. God, uh, he tells us, hey, you can't, you can't serve God. You, you know what you've done? Do you know how wicked you are? And you know what happens? Satan gets the victory because we're in bondage to him. We think, yeah, well, I can't, uh, God can't use me. Can I tell you, God used a donkey to speak to Balaam? He made a donkey talk. Can I tell you that he used a rooster to convict Peter? 
If God can use those things, I believe He can use us. God used a wicked, vile, wretched sinner like me after I got saved. God used me to pastor this church. You say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about God can use those things which are insignificant, that we think are insignificant. God used a little lad, didn't he, in his lunch? God used David, just a little boy, a teenage boy, to kill Goliath. God used a widow's might. I can go on and on how God uses things. Don't ever think that you can't be used. But we listen to Satan saying, oh, I've done this, so I can't, God can't use me. No, God can use you. God can use you. But also we lose our comfort because of bondage to sin. I can tell you this, that when sin reigns in our bodies and in our flesh, when we have sin in our lives, we don't want to have anything to do with God or the things of God. Now, we may put on the appearance, we may go through the motions, but truly, we know there's nothing, we don't want to have God, anything to do with God. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience a race that is set before us. We lose our comfort because of sadness. You know, you know the thing happens. Can I just be just as honest and frank with you as I can? When we don't get what we want, we become sad. But God is still God. It doesn't matter if we get what we want. We still to serve God. It doesn't change the fact that He's still good and that He's still God. But then I want you to notice the last thing is we lose. When, we, when one thing is needful, when we lose our capability. We lose our power because of wickedness. I talked about this a little bit, but in Judges chapter 16, 20, it says, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as, as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. What had happened? He thought his power resisted on himself. There was a pride issue. I'll go out like I did before and I'll whip them Philistines like I've done before and it ain't going to be a match for me. He wished not that the power had departed from him. You know what, Christians? We don't even realize the power of God's not even reigning on our lives anymore. We don't even realize it. But can I tell you, if there's sin reigning, if there's wickedness in our lives, we're not going to have the power of God. When we grow cold on the things of God, we don't even realize that we have lost His mighty power in our lives. When we allow sin to go unchecked, we, go, we, we become uh, lukewarm and cold on the things of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manners of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. The Bible says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Abstain from all appearances of evil. How shameful, how shameful will many be when they stand before an almighty God. But then we lose our power because of worldliness. 
Joshua 24, 15 says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers were as uh, your fathers served on that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose uh, land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How shameful it is to be an alliance with the world. We want to have one foot in the world and one foot in Christianity. It doesn't work that way, folks. I don't care what the modern churches want to try to tell you and what they want to teach you. It doesn't work that way. We're not going to have the power of God on our lives as long as we want to be like the world. Let me give you a verse. James 4.4 Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? God tells us right here, Folks, we need to separate from the world. We don't need to be like the world. Be ye separate. In conclusion, the reason why we are troubled about many things, and one thing is needful, is because we've lost our concern for the Lord and the things of God. Our comfort, we've lost our comfort from God. And we've lost our capability to serve. Paul expressed it best here in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He says, But I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. One of life's most disappointing events is wasted time by not serving God. I've talked to some, many of you don't know this, but haven't heard yet, but Miss... Judith McGinnis went home to be with the Lord yesterday morning. We've been praying for her for some time, but Brother Travis and I was talking yesterday and just talking about Miss Judith, and one of the things he said was he described her was elegance. She always had wanted to have the right words to say, and she was a very intelligent lady. We were talking about it, and she gave testimony sometimes. Some, some, I think while I was here, because I remember the testimony, she said she apologized for being, she said, I wish I would have been saved earlier in life because I don't have the spiritual knowledge as some others have. I don't know, that's paraphrasing what she had said. Some of you may remember that. She just wanted to be, she just wanted to serve the Lord the best way she could. But she wished that she would have served God earlier. If I went around the room, I, blood, I, I know from my life, I wish I, would have got, I wish I would have started serving God sooner than what I did. I bet you I, I could go around the room and people would say, Pastor, that's me. I wasted, I squandered many years serving self instead of serving the Savior. One of the greatest disappointments in my life is that I didn't start serving God sooner. For you will eternally be grateful for this action. When you grow cold, we are saying to the lost and dying world that salvation that we sing about is really a waste of time. How foolish to think that we can have the blessings of God and live cold, disappointing, disgraceful, and dysfunctional lives. Folks, this is what we need. We need to draw nigh to God.
what is happening on in our country, what's going on in our country. You know what it needs? We need to draw nigh to God. As a country, we need to draw nigh to Him. The Bible says this, James 4 eight: Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. You cannot be, can I say this? You cannot be cold or lukewarm. Now this is, this is, this is good. Think about this. You can never be cold or lukewarm when you're near the Lord. He's always going to bring a fire about you. Give him the proper place that he deserves, the very first place. Get to know him better. The Bible says in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being, being made conformable unto his death. You'll never get to really know him without reading, studying, and meditating on the blessed old book. If you're cold on God, guess who moved? Today, let's move closer to the Lord and get on fire for him. May we hear those words when the Lord comes, which I believe is soon. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. One thing is needful.